0: Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Divine, where we explore where web development and design overlap. My name is Tom. I'm a branding-focused designer, joined
1: uh, with Nick. G'day guys, how are we doing? Um, I'm Nick and I run a digital agency out of Melbourne. Um, And today, we are joined by Terry. G'day Terry, how are we doing?
2: I am doing great, mm. thank you. It is great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for coming in, Terry. Terry uh, runs her own business called Make Them Talk, which is focused on social media strategy.
2: That is absolutely correct. There's so many places and businesses that claim to be social media specialists, social media companies, but simply all they do is you know post on Facebook, um, send out these advertisements to interests, whatever they might be, and quite frankly, there's no strategy behind a lot of what these people do. So when I started my company and my business, um, I wanted to change that and not only be a creative company and a creative mind, um, a creative social media, but I also wanted to incorporate that um, alongside a really data-driven strategy. So really looking into who we're feeding these ads to, why we're feeding these ads to these specific people, and that alongside those that create that creative um, that creative side is a recipe for social media and digital success.
0: Cool. So you've got a bone to pick with some people in the. Social
2: media <laughs> I got do. Got a bit of beef. I have so much beef. Beforehand, um, I worked for a variety of businesses and companies, and some of them were larger companies, so we would bring agencies on board, who would take over some of our social media and digital campaigns. And the results that we got from them were either, like I said, really creative. Their graphic design work was amazing, um, but they would be feeding the ads to the completely wrong people or just not quite hitting the mark. Or we would go to an agency and they would really hit the mark with who they were delivering the ads to. We'd be getting a really good return on investment. Um but the creative side of things was just absolute shit. Yeah, okay. So there was that no, I found it really hard to find that um, that combination of creative but also really delving into the data side of things, and I, that's the company that I wanted to create, who was both of those things.
0: Awesome. Um, so, yeah, obviously you've got, got, a, got some strong opinions in, <laughs> in the space. I can't, can't wait to dive in and hear it. Hear all about it. Um, before we do, um, Nick, what have you been up to in the past week?
1: Um, in the past week, has been a main focus on two projects. One of them being um, sort of a rebrand, redesign, and rebuild of a website um, or of a business. And the main part is that the website and online store, and sort of moving some of their um, their in-person sort of classes that they offer sort of online. So that's been really, really cool. Sort of exploring um, what those sort of products look like sort of in the online space um and how to deliver them best to these people so that's been a really really good project and a really great client as well it's actually been one of those ones where we've just sort of been getting different or pulling different people in to to help out with things and the client's just so awesome like we just continually talk about how good the client is um and it's it's probably been our favorite client let's be honest yeah
0: that's awesome and it sounds like this client like um, trusts you to bring in the right people as well
1: Totally And that's all part of it they like And they love the people we brought in They love the process They love our process They love the, the process of like The rebrand that's happened Like it's just been It's just been so happy <laughs> I don't know That's like <laughs> the best way to explain it So that's been really really good um, Yeah awesome Yeah And so like obviously still um, In Thailand as well So that's been running pretty well um, Trying to stick to a 9 to 5 And having a few weekends off here and there um, But yeah but otherwise just uh, Just working away Yeah Um, what, what have you been up to in the past week or so Terry
2: I have been sober, actually, which has been really good. Nice. I said to Tom, last week, me and Tom had a paper-scissors rock. If uh-huh. I lost, I had to go out. Right. And if I won, then I was allowed to stay sober. Unfortunately, I lost, which a four-day bender <laughs> followed. Take, yeah, so. I take full responsibility. <laughs> it's Tom's fault. <butt, laughs> apologies. But this last week, I have been on my best behavior. I'm training for my next um, Muay Thai fight. Cool. So, yeah. Oh, so yeah. come over
1: to Thailand then for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've yeah, been over a couple of times for training. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what have you been doing, Tom?
0: Um, uh, last couple of weeks, um, been working on Lonsdale, the Monty <laughs> oh, nice. font. Yeah, it's, it's t- really close now.
1: And so that's um, that's a font that's, that Tom's been creating.
2: I have heard yeah. about Lonsdale so many times over the past few weeks. Uh, I think so. has so anyone
0: that's <laughs> exactly, yeah. shared the same same Tom oxygen Tom will talk as me. about
2: Lonsdale to anyone that'll listen. <laughs> but I do really like the font, so I'll allow it.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. No, it's been it's been awesome getting feedback from um, a few people in in the in the type realm. Yeah. Because there there are just things that I don't see, and they've been looking at type faces for decades and they're yeah, just totally. like maybe maybe that eight could have a higher waist or you know that seven's looking a bit fat at the bottom <laughs> um so that's been awesome um lots and lots and lots of music um which is great um, did you go and, play a
1: big gig uh, last week as well or something
0: uh yeah i was thought yeah the week before so mentioned that with marion um oh, and okay. that was that was that was sick um, but the other big thing is uh, doing a brush lettering class at cool. the Commons. Yeah, so getting getting the bits and pieces together for that. that's nice so one. Winner's really set again? What's that? Winner's that again? Uh, it is mid-October, so I think it's the 15th.
2: I'll clear my diary. Yeah. just. just <laughs> I'm going to make an Elizabeth Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, c-
0: clear, clear the rest of your life and make way for typography. Um Awesome. So, let's jump into it. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. What makes a great social media strategy?
2: That is a great question, (laughs) (laughs) Robby's... A lot of different things that make a good strategy and obviously it's going to be different for each different brand or product or service and it's just kind of finding what fits with your specific brand. Um, In this day and age people see something online, you don't want to always come across as like sell, 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 sell. You don't want to be constantly just trying to sell your product or service. You want to build a brand persona, a personality, um, someone... Like something that people are going to relate to and be able to form an emotional connection with rather than just simply putting a product in front of them, putting a service in front of them and that's it. Um, You want to kind of get personal and what I've found recently, um, there's been a lot of research done as well In the last year or so, and people love seeing kind of like the behind the scenes, who's behind the brand, um, Mm -hmm. the people that work for the company, and whether that's you know just putting things on your Instagram story or making posts about the CEO even talking about the product or whatever it is it might be, um, then people can start to really relate to that brand and have that emotional connection to it. So, that's one point that. I really think um, has a huge input, impact on a, a good social media strategy yeah. um, in this day and age as well.
0: It's interesting you say, um, Like, or something that's come to mind for me is, I guess, Gary Vaynerchuk's mantra um, on the subject of not being like sell, 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 sell. Mm-hmm. It's like giving value, giving value, giving value, giving value, and then the ask, yeah. and he sums it up with this, Jab, 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 right hook. Yes. Which is a very violent way of describing, but it fits. <laughs> no, I'm for all a, about it. <laughs> Muay Thai aficionado. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's interesting the idea that like you kind of have to build a connection and trust before asking for someone's money.
2: Absolutely, and that's when it comes down to as well. So. We have things in advertising called interest targeting, so we target people that um, are cold audiences that might not have heard of the brand but have specific interests. So, for example, um, Tom, I'm going to go ahead and say that you know what the UFC is, am I right? Yeah. Yes. You probably wouldn't go to a UFC event, though.
0: Unlikely. (laughs) Yes.
2: Just a stab in the dark. Yeah. (laughs) Um... So, you would have heard of Conor McGregor? Yes. So, if I'm, for example, the UFC has their marketing pretty down-packed, but say I'm a smaller business, um, I am a pub that's showing the UFC live, Um, so I want to target people who are interested in the UFC. Um, For example, you know who Conor McGregor is, so at some point or another you've probably shown a little bit of interest or... You might have clicked an article because it's you think he threw a chair at a bus or anything like that you've taken some sort <laughs> yeah. of interest in, but you'd never actually go and watch yeah. at, at the pub. Um, so that's when you need to get strategic behind the, your advertising. You want to be targeting people um, that have crossover interests. So, for example, I would set up an audience that people that are interested in Conor McGregor, but also they have to match another interest, which is, for example, Anderson Silva. Do you know who that is? No. There we go. So that's, you've crossed over two interests. So I know who those two people are and I'm probably inclined to go watch the UFC live. Whereas, you know, one of those things, um, but you don't have a huge interest in the UFC, you wouldn't go out and watch it. So you need to get creative and strategic about how you're wanting to target these kind of people.
0: Yeah, cool. And um, in, in the instances that you don't come from that demographic, like let's say that for whatever reason, I was responsible for a social media campaign for a pub that wants to target people interested in the UFC, but I don't have that personal connection to the sport. Like, how do you get access to those kind of, kinds of insights, like the ones which would say that, yeah, Conor McGregor paired with this other person, like, is much more likely to form the interests of the right group?
2: Yeah, so... Within Facebook Business Manager, this is going into, like, a little bit more of the technical side of yeah, things. Yeah, let's
0: get granular.
2: <laughs> so Facebook has a whole lot of interests that you can select to target. Um, so in your first um, – when you're setting it up, you can say, I'm targeting 19 to 35-year-olds, if that's who your target market is, people that are likely to come into your venue, for example. Um so that is one, one audience of people. Um, we could say they're interested in Conor McGregor because within Facebook and all the data that Facebook has, owns, has shares in, Facebook has shares in huge, huge data companies. They are likely to know where you spend your money. They know where you spend time. They know your location most of the time. They know what you're interested in, um, which is why sometimes you get those ads coming up and you're like, how how the hell do they know this? Are they listening to me? Um, Where in reality, it's not. It's just really creative um, and strategic marketing. Right. Um, So they are picking apart those data points that Facebook has on you. We can't tell who you are. We don't know your name. We don't know anything about you. But in the back end of all these data points, I can pick the data points that I want to target, and then you're within that database um, if that kind of makes sense. Sure, yeah. Um, so then again, what I would do in that sense is I would create different audiences so I can compare how they're performing against each other. So I could do one crossover where it's someone who likes the UFC and Conor McGregor, and then I could compare that to an audience where I say someone that likes a pub and the UFC because they're crossing over those interests of a pub and the UFC. Okay. And then I could compare the two and say, oh, that one's performing a lot better um, than that audience. So I could say, all right, for every dollar that I'm spending, I'm getting one person interested in the event, or for the next audience, it's I'm spending $3 and getting someone interested in that audience yeah, um, cool. for that event. Yeah, and what, so
1: so what, one of the ways I think that we went about trying to find out what those data points were that were relevant to us was um, Facebook has a feature where you can upload a list of emails that are sort of already in that market or already, say, as an example, that that have already bought a product from an Mm e-commerce site or something like that. Um, All right. And so, yeah, you upload all those emails. Facebook tries to match them to profiles in Facebook and then creates sort of its own audience, I guess, um, from those people and then you can say, okay, let's create audiences or let's find other people who are similar or have similar interests to this group of people and you can sort of expand that out and see what sort of metrics are common between the audiences and, and explore that. So that gives you a bit of insight into the actual, um, yeah, the actual interests of those people without um, sort of actually yeah, doing the research as well. Well, it helps, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that, that was when you were um, running the event is that right yeah that was yeah for the blacksmith
1: festival yeah yeah cool and so we had everybody that had signed up to a course previously or showed interest or whatever and then yeah used that as an uh to create a, a likeness audience or something I forget exactly what the, yeah. the phrase is it's yeah. called
2: a yeah a lookalike audience a lookalike yeah okay. yep. so if you, was, ha- or if you have if you uh, have a yeah hmm if you have like an existing audience of people, um, so, for example, those email databases that you were saying, you can do that with any... You can create an audience of anyone that's engaged with your Facebook page, engaged with your Instagram page. You can even set up you know, coding in the back end of your website and you can track every single person that has been to your website and then retarget them on Facebook so they're not a cold audience. Um, mm-hmm. For example, um, you're really unlikely to buy something that you've just seen an advertisement for on social media but you might click the ad and then you think oh that's a really great product but you're really unlikely to purchase it straight off the bat Um, and that's when you see it three or maybe even four more times um, even in different ways you're seeing different ads you might even see like a testimonial of someone else saying wow this product's so amazing and then that's going to be the thing that pushes you over the edge to buy it so that's when you set up the um that's like one step on from your interest targeting is when you get into your retargeting audiences
1: yeah yeah and yeah, i think cool. and I th- what's interesting as well is like we we're talking about before is that that balance between trying to sell 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 versus trying to show hey this is the brand this is the motion let's actually get connections with people and trying to create all those little touch points with the possibility to sell as well. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, that's changed or that balance has changed so much over the past 5 to 10 years as well. Like it used to be so sell, 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 sell. And now, is it, is it, do you think it's, it's because people are getting a bit more savvy about it and they're not so convinced by advertisements maybe and it's it's that emotional connection which then leads them to buy? Is it a savviness or is it, or is it something else do you think?
2: I think that the market's been completely saturated by ads in the last few years online, and people aren't stupid. Um... And especially going into the likes of influencers now, I have a really strong opinion on influencer marketing yeah, and, what is how it? Pe- <laughs> and how people run it. Um, you can look at different case studies and see how successful influencer marketing can be, for example, um, like high smile or waist trainers or anything that the likes of the Kardashians have promoted has been a huge success um, and there's also other cases of smaller influencers and smaller influencer campaigns having huge, huge success um, I think if you're going to go down that avenue of using influencers to promote your product or service um, you have to give the influencer um, kind of their own reins a lot of companies are like this is what you have to post this is exactly how it needs to be But going back to that, you know, people aren't stupid. People have been following, people have followed this influencer or person for probably a while now, and they're going to know if what they're saying in their captions is written by them or not. Um, They follow them for a reason. They obviously have some sort of, you know... Of some sort of reason of why they're following them, so if brands give the influencers um, kind of those creative reins to, you know, we need to get this message across, but put it across in your words and how you would say it, um, then I think companies are going to have a lot more success when using influencers like that um, because their followers are going to actually believe what they're saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, do you think that this the the influencer? um scene do you think that'll change a lot in the next five years as people because i sort of see like the progression from sell 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 to um emotion and brand connection that sort of that journey i guess that consumers are going through um i see that maybe happening with the influencer market as well where people are becoming more attuned to the fact that these are influencers who are getting paid to sell them shit and yeah and and maybe in the next five years people are going to become more savvy to that and yeah, I wonder if that's going to continue being so popular, or if that's going to how that's going to evolve.
2: I think it will continue being quite popular. Um, even now, brands are starting to get more creative with how they do use influencers. Um, an example is HelloFresh, who are doing it really well at the moment and kind of taking the lead in this. Um, so rather than getting content from an influencer and then posting it on the HelloFresh brand's Instagram, they are getting people and influencers to create, well, they probably help them create the content, but they then promoter and sponsor the ads off that person's um, personal Instagram so the ads are coming from that influencer rather than HelloFresh themselves and I've gone through and it looks like it's really working quite well Um, obviously I can't see the analytics to it and the results from it but judging um, judging from what I can see it looks like it's being it looks like it is a really successful way of doing it. Mm
1: and so and flipping this all on it as well I actually I saw a YouTube video the <laughs> other day of um, uh, a music video by Jake Paul um, all I want for Christmas and th- it's just this constant um, like the lyrics are just buy that merch buy that merch and he just says it over and over again I'm like holy shit it's like it's, we've gone full circle now we've gone to the hard sell again Like, <laughs> yeah I, was li- I thought it was a parody when I first like, listened to it it was just crazy <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Like, I mean, it's, it's the biggest cliche, number one, biggest cliche that like pops up at all the design conferences and all the tech conferences and all the everythings. And it's about authenticity, you know, and bringing it back to that, which is natural, um, to someone's behavior. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting how like posts that show the behind the scenes and don't have the filter and kind of or it's the CEO talking about the product you know in his in his lounge room with his puppy dog um but filmed on a phone those kind of things get more traction yeah, um, yeah it's it's interesting this shift away from kind of the glitz and the glamour yeah to like
2: there was another um campaign that I saw recently as well um have you heard of Frank Body yeah so Frank Body brought on Bindi Irwin. They were um, promoting a product that was all natural Australian ingredients. Um, so I think they did this brilliantly. So they got Bindi Irwin involved. They did all these behind-the-scenes shoots. Bindi Irwin did an Instagram takeover Um and it was all not even promoting the product, but it was like going around the zoo, going around like just all things Australia. Um, and it just it must have driven so much traffic. Right. Um, the engagement rates on the fa- on the Instagram posts where she was just speaking. Then there was parts where she was promoting the product as well. But the natural um, the natural progression into what she was talking about, like the zoo and random things like that. Um, the progression of that into the actual product. They did that so well
0: cool um and yeah it's interesting there it's like talking about the product that's the ask but it's this whole kind of context that's built around that ask
2: absolutely Um,
0: and what about for someone who because we're talking about established brands here but for a small business owner who's perhaps intimidated by the world of social media Mm -hmm. are there any things that you'd recommend a good first steps or the first things to consider
2: yeah, I mean, I work a lot with kind of small, more medium business owners, um, yeah. and the the number one thing that I say is you've just got to be consistent on social media, but don't just post because you think you have to. There can't you can't just be like, oh, it's Tuesday and I haven't posted um, for a week, and then just take a picture of something random and put it up without thinking about what you're actually posting. Um, I recommend people um, sit down and they look at for either an hour or even two hours a month and think about what's coming up, what specials do we have on or what have we got this month that's our point of difference. Um, And then there's software that you can use that's even free, especially for small to medium business owners if you've just got um, one... Um, one facebook page one instagram page then that's going to be free for you what, what um,
0: software is that that you're So I to?
2: use later.com there's okay. a lot of different ones you can schedule all your posts on face across facebook instagram pinterest um <laughs> Twitter, whatever you might be using. Um, And that way you can really plan out and have a strategy of your entire social media calendar and plan and what's coming up. If you've got an Australia Day promotion coming up, you can say, oh, we're a week out, we're two weeks out. Um, And you can sit down for two hours and plan out all that content without panicking and thinking oh we haven't posted for a week um so that's my number one piece of advice for small business owners is just be organized and plan it out rather than um just doing it on a day-by-day basis and you will also save a lot of time doing it that way as well
0: is there like is there a kind of a time frame that you'd suggest like setting yourself up for like a month, two months, like how long's yeah. too long, how short's is too, well, I think we've established how short is too short.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be that reactive posting. You're never going to be able to plan out a month worth of content and nothing doesn't come up, but it's important to have kind of the base of yeah, okay. your promotions or specials um, and have that planned out, but then also have that reactive content in there as well. Um, but I, for my clients, I would plan out a a base month usually. Um, And then, again, sometimes I'm posting on the day or posting a day or two out. Um, But, yeah, I would say plan a month out. Spend a couple of hours at the start of the month just planning out what you've got coming up, getting content ready for that, and then you don't even have to worry about it.
0: Yeah, cool. Okay. So a month's good. And I like the idea of, like, if something happens that's, like, you know, a huge world event or something local that's, you know, um, relevant to the audience then you post on on that for yep. sure but you've at least got the foundation yeah, yeah. absolutely
2: there's always going to be things that come up and sometimes you can't even plan for these things but you can plan for specific days easter christmas you know things like that that you know are going to come that you know are coming up and then once you've got all those significant dates for your brand, you can have that down on your calendar and then you can start preparing for them early rather than being like, shit, it's Easter today. Let's give away a basket full of chocolate. <laughs> like, you can have a bit more but strategy behind
1: damn. it. <laughs> <laughs> one of the other questions or one of the things that we sort of see a lot is how do you choose which channels are best for you and how to – so, that's one question. But then also, how do you decide if you on multiple channels, how do you decide sort of what content and how to reuse content or not sort of just make the same content on all the channels? Like, how, how do you sort of go about deciding that? Because I think, you know, especially with a small business, they're going to have sort of the less resources to be able to create unique content for all the different channels. So, it's important to try and yeah. figure out what the best one is for them or, or how that works.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Again, with small to medium businesses, you don't want to be focused across five different social mm-hmm. media platforms. I would say maximum two. Okay. Um, right. in, in most cases, um, it's usually Facebook and Instagram, uh-huh. um, and then with sometimes e-commerce stores, um, think Pinterest works really well. Yep. Um, but Pinterest is a little bit more time-consuming and a bit harder to master um so for small to medium businesses i would recommend facebook and instagram mm-hmm. um i think in my opinion twitter is only good for larger companies right um i don't think twitter is any good for small to medium businesses whatsoever mm-hmm. um it doesn't it's not going to drive huge sales for you it's more of the in, in real time, keeping up with exactly what's happening. So, again, I only think that's useful for those larger companies. Yeah, okay. um, and, again, Facebook and Instagram are so much easier to get your head around of how they work. Um, you could, you know, do a day course and kind of get the basics yeah, of how yeah. they work as well, um, which any business owner can do, or... Um, I think a lot of small to medium businesses go to, like, large agencies, for example, and then they just see the prices that it's going to be for them to run their mm-hmm. social media and advertising and things, and they just go, whoa, that's, like, far too much for my budget or whatever that might be. And then they just completely disregard social media strategy altogether, which in this, the time that we're living in is shouldn't be an option, mm-hmm. Um Businesses need to have a presence on digital.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where does um do do you think like like an online blog sort of plays into this as well?
2: Um, I think it's dependent on what the business is, Mm. Um, but I think a blog can be really. can be really effective especially if it's if you're writing about subjects that people were interested in it's a really good way to get people to a website um, so people click on the blog from a link on facebook or instagram it might be um, they land on your website and then that way we we know that person um, has shown some sort of interest in what we've got to offer. So we can retarget that person from, if we go back to how we were talking about that retargeting and retargeting people that have visited our website and things. So it is a really good way to drive traffic to your website if you're writing about topics that your audience is interested in.
0: Yeah, cool. And just on um, talking about, Facebook and Instagram is the two big dogs. How do you remix content, or like, what type of um, what type of content is more suited to Instagram and Facebook, or like, how would you take a piece of content you've created and make sure it's Mm-hmm. relevant for both?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. So Instagram is obviously a lot more visual. It's all about the visual component, um, looking nice, um, video content as well without too much like wording and advertisements. Um, for any Instagram ads that I create, I make them really visual rather than um, having a whole lot of text over them and looking like an ad. Mm-hmm. You, When people are scrolling through the Instagram feed, they're probably going to just completely go past anything that looks like an ad so when I'm creating specific Instagram campaigns I try and make them look as little as an ad as possible Um, you want people to you know stop stop as they're scrolling to see oh what's this so for example um, I have a client at the moment who is getting ready for the grand final the AFL grand final they're hosting a huge event there um, where My Facebook campaign and my Instagram campaign are two very different visual components. Um, So on Facebook, I've got a very AFL-driven, AFL logo, bright red colours, And then on Instagram, I've got it as this amazing like rooftop picture with a heaps of people. Um, Looks like kind of a bit of a party going on, but really nice bright colours. Um, And that way, people are going to like, oh well, that's an amazing rooftop bar. Like, let's stop and see what's going on there. But because I'm feeding it to the right AFL audiences, um, we're going to stop them on Instagram and then get their attention with Mm -hmm. the caption that's like AFL Grand Final.
1: Yeah, cool. So that's interesting. So I guess if for Instagram, then you sort of almost want to blend these photos in with what you could expect that their friends might be posting as well. So it sort of mixes in with that content. So they stop and read it and look at it instead of just being like, oh, okay, ad, just move on sort of thing. Yeah, it's
2: yeah absolutely, because people will pay attention to ads, especially when they're on like Instagram stories, because you can't actually get past them. Like, you're just going through all yeah, these different yeah. stories, then all of a sudden an ad's going to pop up. So you've only got those few seconds to really mm-hmm. make an impact of the message you're trying to get across before someone just taps to the next story
1: yeah that's interesting because i do the same thing when i'm on instagram stories and i'm skipping through like you can tell when it's an ad and it just skips straight away like yeah it, it's just completely different content so it's, but when it does match to so the content i'm looking at then i will spend an extra second or two looking at it and then i might read the caption or you know whatever it is yeah that's interesting
2: yeah absolutely and you've always got to think of it from that point of view as well when i'm creating ads i try and think of it from um, a point of view where I'm the one on Instagram and I'm mm-hmm. scrolling through rather than looking at it from an advertiser's yeah, perspective, okay. mm-hmm. you've really got to put yourself on the other side to get the best impact and best results. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. And I
1: guess as well, the important thing as well is putting yourself in the mind of the audience as well because sometimes you can fall into that trap of being like, oh, this is stupid or this just looks dumb or whatever it is. But it's like, okay, yeah. it's not for me. So let's not think about it in that respect. Like, <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally. That's that's I constantly have to to check myself with that it's like it's not about you it's not about the fact that you only like monochromatic (laughs) color pellets
2: not everyone's gonna like lonsdale wrong (laughs) Um, incorrect
0: (laughs) hey terry thanks so much for coming in and chatting to Nick and I this week. That's okay.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great first podcast of mine. Yeah,
0: (laughs) awesome.
2: Opened the doors to starting my own. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Um, And thanks everyone for listening. We'll, uh, We'll talk to you next week. Catch you next week.
2: Bye.